while it is true that sin is what leads to death and sin is what leads to consequences, I never really thought about how beautiful it was that Jesus died for my sins, that him paying the price for my sins paid it all. And there was nothing I can do apart from receiving the gift of salvation that's going to clear me at all. Welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast, conversations about Christ, community, and music. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. As our regular listeners know, this podcast is a sister project to the Christian Music Archive website, where I've been documenting the men and women who make Christian music. I've been trying to capture Christian albums made from the beginnings of the Jesus movement all the way through today. And currently, I've listed over 10,000 albums from more than 1,900 different artists. I'd like to invite you to visit the ChristianMusicArchive.com and see if your favorite artists are listed there. And as you can imagine, there are always more artists added every single week, as there's new albums all the time being released. So I invite you to drop by regularly to see both the oldies and the new music that is being released. Visit ChristianMusicArchive.com today. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is the opportunity to meet newer artists. And today I get to talk with Joel Vaughn. Joel is signed to Dream Records and has just released a new EP, which is actually a pre-release to his album coming out in January called Louder Than the Lies. Uh, In addition to his recording career, Joel is also a worship pastor in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. So let's get better acquainted with Joel Vaughn. Welcome to the podcast, Joel. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. You released your first album about 12 years ago, but some of our listeners may not be familiar with who you are, so let's spend a little bit of time getting to know you. Who is Joel Vaughn? I, uh, Joel Vaughn, Vaughn Jolie. (laughs) There you go. No, I, uh... So I'll, I'll go way back, uh, and this is what I've been doing with most most people is kind of telling them from the beginning, yeah. So they can get kind of a picture. So I my I am the son of a bivocational pastor, and uh, my mom, who is uh, very much into education, but was also a worship leader uh, when I was a kid. So. I started singing in church when I was seven years old. Uh, that was way back in 1993 when you uh, had to sing to accompaniment tracks, right? You know, oh, yeah. that tape things. And uh, I always joke about this, but it, it, it was really this way. You know, you walk up to the front, you hand the deacon that's sitting on stage to put the tape in to the player. He inevitably plays it in the wrong track, and it's just <laughs> hilarious. Uh, so that's kind of yep. where I, I started out. And um, I remember the very first time I, I sang in church, and I remember the song. It was uh, by an artist named Clay Cross. Oh, sure. It was a song called My, my Places With You, and that was one of, my, one of my favorite songs ever, still one of my favorite songs. Uh, but after that, um, uh, I, I sang in church. Uh, I, I was... Uh, my mom led me to the Lord actually pretty early on. I was uh, just about to turn six years old in 1992 in Amory, Mississippi. Um, and by the time I was 14, you know, I was questioning, 
like, was that decision real? I had to kind of follow up with that right. and, and make sure that like, you know, I knew the, the reality of, of salvation and, and what that really meant. And so I kind of went through that and started playing guitar when I was 14. Um, we had moved from Alabama to Waxahachie, Texas, which is, you know, about 30 minutes south of Dallas, okay. Texas. Um, so I was, I'm one of five kids. Uh, I'm the youngest and we are a musical family. So no matter where we went, uh, because my dad was in the military, even after he retired yep. uh, and did this bivocational pastor thing, we just, we just kind of moved around a lot. So we were like this traveling family musician, uh, musicianary <laughs> band kind of thing. Sure, yeah. And so uh, my older siblings, the three of them had gone to college and moved out, got married, that sort of thing. And it was just me and my other brother, my older brother, Joey. And we started leading worship uh, <clears throat> in 2001 uh, in our youth group. And uh, I started to play drums and back him up. And he was like playing on acoustic guitar. And we were like leading songs by bands like Sonic Flood and old Hillsong stuff, you know, yeah. like Shout to the Lord and that sort of stuff. And uh, it kind of grew from there. In 2003, I met uh, the woman who is now my wife, Andra, uh, and she, uh, we, we, me, her, and my brother kind of started like a worship group together. And then we all went to college together in Canyon, Texas at West Texas A&M University. Okay. Uh, started leading worship more often uh, in, in kind of a group thing with, it was the three of us, then it was a full band and we started leading worship with this, uh, ecumenical non-denominational, um, worship service for college students. And it was like every denomination, uh, on campus. There's a group of about 300 to 500 students. And we did that every Thursday, every week. And it, it was, it was a lot of work, but then, uh, by 2007, uh, I've been married for a year, um, and I take my I took my first job as a worship pastor, um, and that's about the time I started working on my own music. Uh, I, I put out uh, an album that no one besides like thirty people I've ever heard. Like I, <laughs> it was like a burned CD on my home desktop computer oh, right. kind yeah. of album thing. Yeah. And uh, so after that, I, I was like, man, I, I really like the Lord was leading me to write more songs. I really started writing songs when I was a kid, but didn't get really serious about it until around 2006, 2007. 2006 is when I got married. Okay, um, Life changes when you get married, you know, it and sure so does. that's really when I, I started taking things a little bit more seriously. Um, by 2008, I was in kind of a transition and uh, I was tr questioning like, am I Joel a songwriter or am I this worship leader? Like, you know, what do I do? Which way do I go and trying to seek that out? And so I, I made this EP called bigger than me in 2008 in my garage. And um, by the time I released it, I was working at another church, uh, a larger church and I released it there. And that was my very first like big uh, release uh, as an independent artist. Sure. Um, so I continued to tour regionally, um, word got out, you know, while we were in college in 2005 to 2008, that we were the, the youth group band or the, um, uh, the disciple now band. So we, we were always playing in New Mexico, Oklahoma, sometimes Colorado, all over Texas and all of that just, you know, it ramped up a whole lot. I started working at this church in Amarillo. And I kind of decided to take pause a little bit on the 
artist thing and dive, you know, head on full into ministry in the church instead of being like divided. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you, uh, did you go to college to be in music ministry or a pastor role or how did you end up getting into the pastoral position? Well, it's kind of funny you ask that uh, because I, uh, before I met my wife, I had scholarship, uh, not quite full ride, but pretty close to go to school to be, uh, to, to study like worship leadership okay. before worship leadership was even really, they didn't really call it that in 2003. I think right. they called it something else. Um, but uh, that's what I was going to go to school for. And then I met my wife um, at 17 and uh, at eight, two, when I was 18 years old, I proposed to her. And so my life took a very drastic change right. as it should, <laughs> as it should. And so I, I decided not to go to that school because it was in Missouri um, and she was in Texas. And so uh, I, I ended up going to junior college for a year and trying to figure out like, well, what do I want to do? Right. I knew I was talented. I knew I could sing and all that, but I never really thought, oh, I could be a singer-songwriter for a living. That's only something that people in Los Angeles and stuff on TV, like that's not something <laughs> I can actually do. So I never really pursued it, right? Right. So I moved to Canyon, Texas, uh, which is the Canyon Amarillo area. And that's where I went to West Texas A&M. And so I was going to school uh, as a music major, but it, it was not at a, it, it was, it's not a private institution. It was a public school, sure. a public college. Uh, so it wasn't a faith-based school. Uh, so I went as a music major because I thought, well, you know, music business, this is kind of maybe in the vein of something I want to do, but I, you know, I don't know. And then I wasn't very good with music theory, believe it or not. And so I dropped out of music school and enrolled into broadcasting school. And so my degree is actually in broadcast media with an emphasis in television and radio programming. So uh, I'm on the other side of radio, but it's nice to kind of have an understanding. So I finished that degree while simultaneously my my job was uh, being a worship leader and a worship pastor. So. Okay. So that job came out of because you were a musician and because you were involved in a church that just kind of naturally progressed into helping lead worship uh, during the services. Yep. I did not go to a school to learn how to be a worship leader. I went <laughs> to the school of hard knocks and learning how to do things the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned now that you've been to three or four different churches uh, as, a, as a worship pastor, and you're, you're currently uh, at a Baptist church in Mount Juliet, right? Yep. So how has that transition, because there's been moves from churches to churches, how has that transition kind of takes, taken place? Uh, well, for me, so my, the first church that I worked at was in Canyon, Texas, and that was as a, you know, I'd only been married maybe, no, exactly a year, all, well, not even a year. Okay. Seven or eight, seven or eight months. So I was 20 years old with my first job. I was young, dumb, and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a song lyric. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So I kind of transitioned out of that um, uh, and into another church, just kind of out of some unhealthy tendencies, I think. I think at the time, as a 20-year-old, because I'm 34 now, as a 20-year-old, I, I might have... Uh, I, I might have been a little arrogant, you know, not to say that all 20 year olds are that way, but I, I had a way about me that, that I thought things should go one way or the other. And so I, I ended up leaving that church and going to another church. Mm. Uh, but what I did hadn't mentioned yet is that there were just some unhealthy tendencies and some things from my past that I brought along with me. I mentioned that I grew up 
you know, singing from the platform from when I was seven. Well, I knew my identity was in Christ, but because I had been put up on a stage and on a platform so much in my life, I didn't really know who I was outside of being, you know, a performer, end yeah. quote. I never looked at myself like a performer, but like I couldn't separate the two. My identity was in my talent, not in the, the one who gave the gift of right. the talent. Right. So uh, by the time I started working at this other church, I was there for a grand total of two years before I was like, you know what? I need to recenter. I need to figure out who Joel is outside of uh, being a music artist or being a worship pastor. And yeah. so for 18 months, I actually walked away from all of that and decided to, that is actually the year 2011. My daughter was born that year. Um, and it, that's, that's the thing that, that real like marriage changes you, but then your kids are born and that really changes you. Right. And I, I really started having this conversation with myself is like, is this who I want to be? Am I trying to lead from a well that is empty is this job more of something uh, that I, I'm, I'm drawing my self-worth and my identity from this and not from God's word? Right. Is that what this is? And, and so I, inevitably, I, I, I checked myself out of it for 18 months because I think that was part of it. It wasn't all of it. Uh, but there were just some things I hadn't addressed from when I was a kid all the way up to being an adult. And I knew that I was never going to be the best husband and the best spiritual leader for my family that I could be unless I figured out who I was outside of uh, being a worship leader and a musician. Well, you know, one of the things you talked about, and you've mentioned now several times uh, when you were 14, and then when you got married, and then when your daughter was born, how you kind of had to step back and go, okay, what is my identity in Christ? And And I'm always fascinated because I think we all struggle a little bit with where are where am I in the grand scheme of God's plan and making my relationship with Jesus my own, not my parents, not my family's, not whatever. Can we talk a little bit more about your process of looking at your personal relationship with Jesus and 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 how has that been formed into who you are today? Yeah. Um so I that really came to head for me in 2011. Uh I I actually resigned from my job as a worship pastor uh, and took a job as an IT guy. <laughs> so I, I decided to like, and it's not like I wanted to be an IT guy. It was more of like, this is a job, it's available, and I can focus on my relationship with Christ. Gotcha. Um, a lot of my life as, as a kid and all the way up to being a young adult I struggled with self-worth and value and I won't go too deep into that, but I never thought much of myself. And the only thing I clung to that made me feel like I had any value or any worth was that talent. Hmm. I could be the scummiest person on earth or just like whatever. And when people saw that I could sing, I knew that when they saw that part about me, that it made them happy and that made me happy. Sure. But the problem was, the problem was I forgot why I even had that gift in the first place, mm. why God put that in my heart or in, like in my being to be able to use. And instead of using it for his glory, and it's not that I was trying to rob God's glory. I think, I think that was a, a, a symptom of it for sure. 
but it was more of hiding behind it because there was some spiritual pain and some mental pain that I was like covering up with it, if that makes sense. So I always wanted to project to people that I was okay mentally, that I was okay spiritually. And so from a stage, you can proclaim the name of Christ. You can, you can sing songs of worship and all of that. And I, I think a lot of people probably have done this. I'm not saying I'm special, but that you, you put this wall up, you know, you wear this mask and pretend that everything is okay. And as long as they hear this part of you and see that part of you on stage, you know, they never have to dig in and actually get to know you or understand you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was most uncomfortable with prior to 2011 was being in a small group because I was like, I don't want people to know about my life. I don't want people to know all the nitty gritty details. I don't want to tell people what kind of sin I'm struggling with. I don't want to tell people what's happened to me in my past or, you know, whatever. Um, And when I finally dropped the curtain, when I dropped that wall and just kind of exposed where I was at that, like, guys, I don't have it all together and God, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I, I'm, I'm a good singer and you see that from the stage and I can lead pretty well, but that's obviously not everything. I'm, a, I'm actually spiritually hurting and I need to take a step back so I can figure this out. And so 2011 was that year for me and I spent 18 months really just focusing on my relationship with Christ and, and what he says about me, not what Joel thought, because I, I'm my own worst critic, even to this day. Uh, one of the things I like to do uh, every single day is I go out for a run. Sometimes that run may only be a mile and a half, two miles, uh, depending on what I'm doing. Sometimes it's five miles or more. Uh, but like I am my own worst critic. And when I'm running, I'm like, man, you shouldn't have ate that. You shouldn't have done that. You should have slept longer. You know better than this. And I'm beating myself up the whole time. Right. And then I get back and then I get done and I'm just grateful. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I feel good. And and then like, I, it's almost like I had this internal dialogue with myself. Like, what was that back there? Why, hmm. why were you trash talking yourself back there? You know, why were you saying, you know, you, you're screwing this up and messing that up or whatever. So I bring that up because like, that's kind of how I've always been toward myself. Um, even, even as a kid, you know, I, you, you stuff, it's, it's the whole thing of, uh, uh, you, you mess up in one way, like you're a kid and maybe you did something bad, like you said a bad word or whatever. And you're like, ah, oh, I really messed up. And like, I'm, you feel that guilt, right? And so I had worn a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for a really long time. And, I ne- and the lies and the things that I spoke to myself, that while it is true that sin is what leads to death and sin is what leads to consequences, you know, I never really thought about how beautiful it was that Jesus died for my sins, that his, that him paying the price for my sins paid it all. And there was nothing I can do apart from receiving the gift of salvation that's going to clear me at all. And in one way at that point, that not in one way, in all the ways, that took the pressure off. And I realized like God sees me as loved, yeah. chosen, holy, adopted, because his son paid that price. Yeah. I, I could never, and, and it, I can't remember what scripture it is, but it says that our righteousness is on our best days is, is as filthy rags. I know that it's Paul that says that, but 
Like it, it goes that far to say that, you know, like even on my best day, I'm not good enough and I never will be, but because of Christ, I am. And when I focused on that for 18 months, I really feel like um, that's when my relationship started to grow into something that I could share with people and not just sing, you know what I mean? Instead of just, just singing from stage. Well, the thing that I heard that I'm hearing you say is you're talking about really understanding that God's forgiveness and love of you is unconditional. And that even yes. today, even after going through that stuff in 2011, you still go out for a run and you still beat yourself up and you still have some of those, those concerns and questions. And so I think this is important for all of us to understand is we can know that Christ loves us and that, that that's part of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, but that doesn't mean that every day we're going to just automatically, oh, great, everything's fine now. It's a constant day-to-day yeah. journey. It is, uh, and I'm glad you touched on that and said that, because it's it's one of those things that you think, even back then from 2011, I, I didn't know when I would start, because I didn't sing, I didn't lead worship. I, I might have played piano and wrote songs like uh, early before I went to work, but that's about all I did, no intent on releasing any of the music. Um, but... Yeah, that, that's that's just one of the things I, I learned then. So, well, so let's morph this conversation into your music. You you obviously came back and started doing music. You got signed to a label eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the new album. You've got this new album uh, coming out in January, "Louder Than the Lies," and uh, I think the current single, isn't it, is uh, already done, right? Yep. So I love the line in the lyric: "Maybe your waters haven't parted yet, but the time is going to come because when your father makes a promise." It's already done. And that kind of ties back to that talk we were having about the relationship of Jesus being unconditional. We just have to accept it. But I'd be interested in knowing a little bit more about how did that song come to fruition? Yeah. So I can't take all the credit for all the lyrics in that song. I co-wrote it with some friends, uh, Jonathan Gamble and Micah Kuyper. Um, Back in April, after all of the shutdowns and everything started, uh, I was trying to figure out how I was even going to get this album done. Um, cause all of our tour dates had canceled right. and, you know, financially I was like, what does this even look like? Thankfully for me, I work part-time at a church, but a lot of my friends didn't have that kind of, uh, some, something to fall back on. Right. Um, and so that's, uh, Jonathan reached out to me in April, said he had been working on a song with Micah and he let me listen to what they had. And I kind of reluctantly, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I like the, the message and where it's going. Uh, he asked if I wanted to join in and, and help them finish the song. And I said, yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and do it. So we finished writing the song. We do it over Zoom because, you know, that's what you do today. Right. Zoom or Zencast, whatever. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we wrote it. I recorded the vocals in my bedroom. And, you know, I just kind of forgot about it. And a couple of days later, uh, Micah sends me the the finished song or nearly finished song, pretty close to it. And um, I listened to it and I kind of got goosebumps because I was like, man, that's, that just feels like my story. I mean, it is part of my story. You know, I wrote it into it, but that, that really just feels like right now. Uh, there have been many instances in my life and we've touched base on a lot of them already, but like there's been many instances in my life where I felt like, I was in a spiritual desert uh, and, and, you know, at times I, I felt like it was 
it was like God saying, you need to go out into the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let you know when it's time to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, there's, there's been a few times where like, I'm like, is it, is it, is it time? You know, is yeah. it, is it, is it time to break through this? Um, this year uh, has been no exception. Uh, m- maybe not uh, in a spiritual sense and from my heart standpoint, but uh, with the pandemic going on. And so we, when we were writing this, uh, and I think it takes different meaning for each of us because we all had a part in it. I know a lot of it for Jonathan was was like getting into the Christian music industry and and being able to like write songs and and you know uh, do that for a living. Like a lot of that is like that song was birthed out of that for him. And but for me, uh, it was birthed out of like I had had parts of my life that I've been stuck in this the situation and, and you know, the, the whole metaphor of maybe your waters haven't parted yet. Mm-hmm. Like God parted the sea so they could, so they could cross and run to safety. And so like, that's just an amazing picture. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about run right after mountains, like it's already moved, like talking about how in Matthew where Jesus says, if you had a little bit of faith that you can tell these mountains to move and they'll move. Right. Um, so that was the kind of imagery uh, that we wanted to really, to cast that people could, when they heard it, they could see it, you know? Um, and those were very real things for each of us, uh, when we were writing it. But I also know that that's a very real thing for more people than just us. Uh, a mountain for me, uh, might've been addressing my, my spiritual health and my physical health at the time. Uh, and, really just getting to like growing closer to God and getting, getting my head back in the, and my heart back in the right place. Right. Uh, but this year it was, it, it could be finances, you know, it could be health scares. Yeah. It could be um, anything like you could find out you're terminally ill or sick or something. And you're looking at it like, this is this huge mountain and like, how, like God, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, going back to the previous part of our conversation, I, I never really wanted people to hear the, the song already done and, and, and get this like name it, claim it, faith kind of thing. And I don't think it comes across that way, but like I, I have this insecurity that, that it could. Really more of what I mean is no matter what comes your way, that if you trust God, if you're obedient to him and you put your full faith and trust in him, it's going to be okay because Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sins. And in that sense, like it's already done. It's taken care of. God can see time in a way that we can't, we can only see things linearly from point A to point B. And really we can't even see point B because we we're here in today. You know, we kind of have an idea. Like I'll wake up, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. Maybe yeah. you could wake up and take your first step and that could be it. And like, wow, we're in heaven now. Yeah. You, you just don't know. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, like, Jesus loved us enough to come to earth um, to pay the price for our sins. And, like, and in that sense, it's already done. So that's, you know, a couple of different meanings there, but uh, not to, like, convolute it. But that's kind of where we were coming from. Well, you know, it was interesting because earlier today I read something, and, and when I was listening to this lyric, I thought that it was interesting that these two things came together for me. God parted the waters for the Israelites. He didn't remove the waters. He just made a way. And the whole thought that 
like you said, it's not a name it and claim it necessarily, but that Jesus is going to provide just what you need. And it may not be removing the obstacle, but it may be paving a way through the obstacle. And, you know, I, I don't know, like if I want to dive into this, but you talk about uh, Paul's thorn in his flesh, like mm-hmm. how many times he prayed for that to be removed. And, you know, that was the, the, the ultimate answer was that he got to be with Jesus. Yeah. One day. yeah. And, and it's true, though. Uh, God may choose to remove the obstacle. He may not. Or he may choose to remove it in his time. Yeah. But if we live with with faith, like we know that that mountain is going to move and that that Goliath is going to lose because we know that God has already won, yeah. that it's already done. Yeah. Like we, that's the way, really, that's the message of the song. You need to live like that. Don't live in fear. Yeah, there was another quote that I read, you know, uh, when Satan tries to remind you of your past, just remind him of his future. Because God's already won. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the song could have easily been already won. I guess I'm, my my follow up single will be already won. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, two more questions. Number one, uh, for somebody who has not heard your music before, describe what your music is and a little bit about what that perspective that you want the listeners to understand when they listen to Joel Vaughn's music. Yeah. So when you listen to it, uh, it's Christian CCM pop. It, it, you're going to like the, I think you're going to, I hope you're going to like it. <laughs> it um, it's good stuff. I usually write, it's good stuff. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Uh, I usually write from a perspective of, you know, just kind of like what I'm wrestling with at the time and, and what God is saying to me, uh, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. And I just kind of put that into a song and, and how my relationship with God uh, relates, you know, and, and how it can relate to you. So like, it's, it's a very, it's a very, they're usually very personal songs, but kind of written in a way that I think most people can, it's accessible and they can, uh, they can really just identify with it. Like, what's the point for me? It's like, what's the point in writing a song? If people can't hear something and go, I get that too. I understand that too. I feel that too. Well, one of the things that we do on a weekly basis is we send out a prayer newsletter to our team, and we have a bunch of people that are committed to praying for artists every week. How can we specifically be praying for you and your music ministry in the next couple of weeks? Uh, for me, for uh, physical health um, and and spiritual health, uh, probably spiritual health number one. Let's reverse those. <laughs> okay. Uh, that I that I can uh, that, that I can stay in the Word and and stay strong in, in that as I'm. Uh, leading in ministry. You can't lead others where you aren't going yourself. Uh, you can't lead from a dry place. But secondly, uh, for physical health and, and stamina, because I'm about to head out on a, on a nine city tour with a, another artist. Um, and between that and serving at my church and being a dad and a husband, it takes a, it takes a serious toll on you. There's a lot of travel involved. There's a lot of work involved. Um, and if you're ever going to get sick, it's because you are giving way too much of yourself and not focusing on your health. So those two things. And uh, also for my family while I'm gone. Thanks for sharing with us today, Joel. I appreciate your desire to share that Jesus makes a way through both the fun and tough parts of our life. Many of you listening to this podcast are experiencing a relationship with Jesus already. 
Joel's story resonates with you because you have experienced the difference Jesus makes in your life every single day. But there may be some of you listening who have never asked God to part the waters in your life. You don't have the same confidence that Joel spoke of during our conversation. The Bible says that everyone has sinned. We all do bad things. The Bible also tells us that the penalty for that sin is death. Now, we aren't talking about capital punishment here. This death is an eternal life in hell once we finish this life. Sounds pretty grim, doesn't it? But this is where Jesus comes in. You see, Jesus was God in human form. He came to the earth and is the only individual to have ever walked the earth with no sin. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, so what? That was a couple of millennium ago. How does that affect me? Well, even though Jesus didn't sin himself, he sacrificially gave up his life of perfection and was crucified on the cross. During that time, he paid the death penalty for every one of us. He took on every sin that was ever committed or ever would be committed, and he died for them all. But the story doesn't end there. You see, after being buried for just three days, he came to life again. He beat sin. He took everyone's sin and beat it into the ground so that we wouldn't have to pay that penalty. Now, since he is victorious over sin, he wants to share that secret with us. He has a way for us to beat that penalty. It's really simple. All we have to do is accept Jesus and walk in a relationship with him. You see, he paid the price for our death so we wouldn't have to. And that is what Joel was talking about during our interview when we talked about the lyric, because when the Father makes a promise, it's already done. See, Jesus has already paid the penalty for our sin, and he promised us eternal life if we just join in a relationship with him forever. That means no more hell for us. We get to have eternal life. I think that sounds like a pretty good deal. Jesus has made a way for us to spend eternity in heaven in a relationship with him and not an eternity in hell. If that sounds like a deal you'd like, it is really, really easy to accept Jesus' offer. All you have to do is accept Jesus' gift and commit to following his ways. And that starts with a simple prayer. Let me give you an example of what that prayer might be like, and you can pray this after me if you want. Jesus, I know that I do bad stuff, and I understand that the consequences for doing those bad things, for sinning, is an eternity in hell. And I don't want that. I want to turn from my sinful nature and accept your gift of eternal life. Please forgive me of my sin and help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Please come into my life, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd encourage you to tell someone about it, because now you're a believer. You have the eternal life because of this great gift that Jesus has given for you. Let your friends know. Tell a pastor at a church, or you could even drop me an email and tell me about it. Why do I ask you to tell somebody? Because there is strength in telling someone about commitments you make, whether that's to lose weight or to, you know, get better exercise, or even this, to make a new start in your life for eternity.
And then, after you've told somebody about it, start spending time with Jesus on a daily basis. There's a couple of ways you can do that. Get a Bible and read about your new friend, Jesus. Now, the Bible is pretty big and daunting, so let me make a recommendation. You could start reading in the book of John. I I think that's a good place to start. Secondly, I would invite you to get involved in a Bible-believing church. Be intentional about spending time with people who also love Jesus. I promise you, it will help change the trajectory of your life. Oh, and by the way, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. I'm excited to hear from my new brothers and sisters in Christ. This new life in Christ is all due to one simple fact. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.